Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Welcome, everybody, to episode 35 of IG2GI. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Mr. Eric, and with me, as always, is the wonderful Mr. Matt. Today, we will be talking about headless men escaping a prison on this crazy island. Can they do it? Who the heck knows? Bulbous big individuals playing crazy various mini-games. Also, traveling into space and checking out what the universe holds for all of us, and much, much more. If any of that interests you, hey... Stick around. Top 5 Releases First up in the releases this week, it's going to be a quick one. This one came out on the 24th of July for the very best price in the world, free 99 This is the next update for No Man's Sky. I'm going to be talking a lot more about it later in the episode, so stick around and find out all about No Man's Sky next This next release is a wonderful little title called Code of Princess EX for the Nintendo Switch, released July 31st, 2018, developed by Nicholas. It is a role-playing action RPG beat-em-up game. Think of your uh, Streets of Rage for the Sega Genesis. You'll take the uh, role of Princess Solange of uh, Deluxia as she, of course, tries to fight to restore order to her kingdom. It's your typical little storyline where, hey, oh man, we got to save the day. A thousand-year-old demon's going to take over the whole world. And then you go in and start hacking and slashing demons, other baddies, all sorts of good stuff. And typical Streets of Rage style, you will, of course, upgrade weaponry, abilities, etc. But the whole premise of this game is you and several other teammates will join via a kooky story and have yourselves a wonderful time hacking and slashing your way through a side-scrolling adventure the artwork is phenomenal the music's pretty decent this one of course was out on the 3ds years and years ago but this version has a bunch of updated cool things you know cinematic updates uh, the ability to use extra characters etc etc so if this sounds like something that may entertain you go ahead and check it out on the nintendo switch Next up, it seems like it's been a while since I've had a 3DS game to talk about on the show, so I'm talking about WarioWare Gold this time. As I said, for the Nintendo 3DS, this dropped on the 3rd of August for 40 bucks. developed by Intelligent Systems and Nintendo EPD, and published by Nintendo. If you don't know what WarioWare is, it's always a collection of little micro games, games that last from like three to five seconds, maybe like even one to three. It kind of depends on what the type of game is, but it's really quick hit, quick fire. You get like a lot of lives. So if you screw up one game, you lose a life. It's not that big a deal. You just keep charging on through the next game. And basically each level that you play is a collection of like 10 to 20 of these micro games. And it's hard to describe. I mean, it sounds kind of goofy when I'm saying it, but if you play WarioWare, you will 100% get it. There's something that just ticks that. It ticks all the boxes. I don't know what it is. I really love WarioWare. But if you've never played one, this is going to be the WarioWare you're going to want to get because this has all the different control styles to it. Like it's got micro games that use the buttons. It's got micro games that use the touchpad. It's got micro games that let you tilt the 3DS all around. So all of the control styles from previous WarioWare games, which were generally just one control style, like I know there was like a twist one where it had a the cart had a motion sensor in it for the GBA and you twist it around and that was how you controlled the games. Well, like I said, you got touch, you got buttons, you got twist, you got microphone stuff. You like blow it into the microphone in here. So this is kind of a greatest hits album of all of these micro games from the past. Really cool stuff. I mean, if you've played every single WarioWare, this might be a little old for you. But if 
you've never gotten into WarioWare before or you've gotten into a couple but not some of the more gimmicky ones, you're going to want to pick this up. They put a little story mode in it, and for the first time, interestingly enough, for like a mainline Nintendo game, they actually have voice acting all through the story mode. It's only like two or three hours long, but it's something, and it's different, and that's cool. Also, in this Greatest Hits compilation, you can there's like a little capsule machine in there, like a Japanese capsule toy thing, where you can unlock new mini games, uh, music tracks, all you know, concept art, kind of fun kind of stuff like that. So, if you love WarioWare, if you're a WarioWare collector, you're gonna want to get this anyway. But if you dabbled in it just a little bit and you still have a 3DS and you want something to play that's just fun on the go, no pressure, pick it up and just play it. You're gonna want to get WarioWare Gold. Check it out. This title caught my eye because I love puzzle games. I love those little just quick mind, quick quick thinking games. This title is called Flat Heroes, also for the Nintendo Switch. It was released August 2nd, 2018. It is also on PC in case you do not have a Nintendo Switch. It was developed by Parallel Circles. It is described as an action platformer 2D game. And what it is is you're going to take the role of a little square. And on this little stage, think... Um, I don't know, think Galaga or Snake or something type of thing. And you're going to hop around and there'll be these little dots that are going to come from different angles and different ways. And you've got to figure out how to stay out of the line of sight and do not, you know, other ways to not get hit by these dots, these enemies per se. So you got to think quick, move around, utilize the different angles of the room, lines of the room, etc. to stay out of trouble. And once you do that, you'll keep rolling through the game. Boom, boom, boom. There's going to be boss fights. There's 150 levels, and then there's 150 challenge levels where it just takes the previous levels and ups the difficulty and changes them up a little bit. It is also multiplayer, so you can go campaign mode with some friends. You got uh, you got rumbles, you got survival, you got all sorts of cool little modes to play with. If this sounds like something right up your alley... Go check it out. Flat Heroes, Nintendo Switch, or PC. And last but certainly not least, oh my goodness, this is a re-release. It's a PC port of a game that's so near and dear to my heart, it could not not be number one. It had to be number one. 100%. As soon as I saw this was happening, I went, yeah, I'm going to get to talk about it even more on the show. I love it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Yakuza 0. It's, it's out for the PC now. So you can pick it up. This dropped on the 1st of August for only 20 bucks. 20 bucks for all the content in Yakuza 0. Are you freaking kidding me? Two full storylines, two playable characters, two separate skill trees with four different styles of fighting. Oh my God. And then you're talking about the mini games. You're talking about the sub stories, the best sub stories in the, in the whole series. The, some of the best mini games and the mini games that have the good stories that go along with them. Oh my goodness. The dancing minigame is absolutely fun as crap I sunk a whole night into that being the dancing king of Kamurocho I'm just I'm getting out of breath just I'm so pumped up because now people will get to play Yakuza 0 on the PC if you don't have a PS4 if you hear me ranting all about Yakuza and how cool it is 20 bucks for one of the best entries in the entire series you cannot beat this Go pick it up. If you got a PC, I might just buy it now. I mean, you know, my PC probably can't handle it. I'm just going to buy it again so I have an excuse to play through it again from the beginning. Yaxa Zero. Oh, my God. Best game ever, best game ever made. There you go. Uh, there we go. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. Number five. 
So I'm going to start us off today on a little bit of a downer note, and then I'm going to shoot us up literally to the moon with something I'm very excited and happy about. But I'm going to start off on a little bit of a somber note with something that I first discussed back on IG2G episode 29. So many, many moons ago, I had a Matt's Indie Game Showcase, and in that I talked about a game called Fork Parker's Crunch Out, which I believe was released by Devolver Digital. It was a Super Nintendo cart that you could get, and in this game you played the head of a video game development house. And your goal was to motivate your employees so much and crunch them down and make so much money and get the games out on time. And you had a little cattle prod you could zap them with. You could over-caffeinate them with the, with the coffee machine. All kinds of fun stuff. But it was a fun game to bring to light this this darker issue of video game development crunch. And I remember saying at the time, you know, how... As I read the article about that game, I saw related articles talking about how bad crunch is for teams and morale and people and physical health in general, and it really took me down this big, dark rabbit hole. And I said on that episode, well, I'm probably going to bring this back in like the next episode of IG2G and make it like a little series as I learn more about it, and that never happened. So, I'm at least getting us started now. <laughs> I, today was the day I opened up the oldest tab in my Chrome browser and I went, aha, video game development crunch. Here's what I'm going to talk about, at least for one of my topics on this week's IG2G. So first question, what is it? What is video game development crunch? As somebody who doesn't work in the video game industry, I always thought it was, well, you know, for maybe a month, you got to work some overtime, work every other weekend, you know, something like that. And I've had this discussion with Eric, too, while we were working quarter ends. Once he told me, he's like, man, you know, I always hear developers talk about how they got a crunch to get the product out. But we do like quarter ends. And, you know, we got to work one weekend, so two weeks in a row. It's not that bad. I mean, it sucks, but it's not terrible. But what I found out was, yes, it does suck. And yes, it is actually terrible. It's way worse than what my initial impression of it was. So reading some of these articles, and I found most of them on Kotaku, and they're from a couple years ago when this when this issue kind of blew up, because you don't hear too much about it now. That's why I was kind of surprised when Fork Parker's Crunch Out came out. So in the course of reading these articles, I found out that, you know, People are talking about working a normal 40-hour work week, and then once it's time to crunch, that 40 hours balloons up into 80, 90, 100-hour work weeks. Like, no days off, you know, very limited breaks. Maybe you can go grab lunch and breakfast or, or dinner, and then it's right back to the office. Got to get it done. Got to smash it out. Got to get, get whatever it is out the door. And that's the other part that I think that, you know, I at least didn't realize was you think about that happening like right before a game ships so after like three or five years of development time yeah you got a crunch for like a month or a couple weeks to get the thing out the door what i learned was that some of these crunches go on for months at a time like two straight months without a day off would you want to do that i sure wouldn't want to at the end of that second week i'd be losing my mind but then what they also said in these articles was that crunch doesn't just happen before you release the game Yes, it does happen then, but it also happens before you release a demo, after you release a demo, before you release a trailer that's going to be shown at a game show, before you release your current build to the publisher just to see where your progress is at, before you release your current build to somebody upstairs, before you have to show something off to the head of the department. They basically were saying that anytime there is a deadline, teams are have to or are forced to or maybe are ordered to crunch to try and get 
the product to a state where it, I'm going to use quote fingers, can be shown off to you know w- whatever it needs to be. And there's there's so many different layers to this that I'm I'm not going to go through all of them, but one that I thought was really fascinating was as a normal person, even I can understand that. Yeah, you got to put in those hours, you got to get that demo ready for the public. But what one of these developers mentioned was that sometimes your bosses want, or the bosses, the, the people in charge, want that demo out at this certain deadline. But to get it out, you have to write your code in such a way that it will work with what your build is now, just so it will be playable, so it can be released, while at the same time knowing that as the game develops, all that code that you just wrote to make the demo playable will have to get thrown out because the code it's based on has changed. So your actual game is going to be nothing like the demo. So you just crunched for a month straight or you know a few weeks straight working 16-hour days for essentially garbage. So you've made no progress on what you're actually doing. You're just wasting time, wasting effort, wasting mental, emotional, physical resources just so a demo can pop out, people can play it, and it may still have issues with it that people will want corrected. So the crunch comes down again, so you have to fix those issues for something that isn't even the finished product. It'll have nothing to do with the finished product. There's so many levels down this rabbit hole that we can go that I think I'm probably going to stop it there because it's been about, you know, five or six minutes. But I was amazed as I started researching this just how wrong my preconceived notions of crunch were. Like even just the basics. Like, oh, you got to work the weekend in a couple hours. When it's, like I said, 80 to 100 hour work weeks sometimes. Some other stories I was seeing, and I think I mentioned this when I talked about Fork Parker's, was there were some other stories where, yeah, we had to work all this overtime, but they wouldn't pay us for it. They basically paid us in pizza and beer. So, hey, stay late, guys. Here's dinner, but you don't get paid for the four hours you had to stay late. You just get a meal and some beers. So just the the very basics of it, I realized I didn't even know. And then to go down deeper into it, which hopefully I will in in less than like seven more episodes but it's just crazy how many levels you can go into this thing where it's talking about the creative mindset for creating video games and how that that clashes 100 percent with the with the even the concept of deadlines in general let alone the fact that you might have to crunch to meet a deadline and the effect that that crunch has on that creative process is just crazy so if you want to know more about that, I definitely recommend searching for Game Development Crunch on Kotaku. They had a whole series of fantastic articles. Check out Fork Parker's Crunch Out, like I said back on episode 29. It kind of is a, a fun jibe at some of these issues, but it might let you look at them a little more critically. And definitely, uh, you know, get interested in it. I mean, this is an art form that we are all fans of. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a fan of video games. So knowing what happens behind the scenes I think is really important. Knowing the the kind of the, I shouldn't say the darker side of it, but knowing what these people do have to go through, it, it's just, it's important, I think. And so I'm going to try and try and coherently put some, some more follow-up stories together on this the more that I learn about it. But I, I thought it was an important thing to talk about, and it's finally out of there. I can finally close that old Chrome tab in my browser. There you go, Video Game Development Crunch. Definitely check out more about it, or stay tuned to future IG2Gs, and I'll talk more about it too. Number four. 
So here's the title I know a lot of people have been waiting for because everyone loves Dark Souls and there is no new Dark Souls currently and there is not one in the foreseeable future. So if you've got an itch and you really want something that's punishing and, and very, very difficult and has that cool dark aesthetic, you might want to check out Salt and Sanctuary for Nintendo Switch released August 2nd also on the PC, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation Vita. It was developed by Ska Studios. You take the role of a doomed sailor that's shipwrecked on an uncharted island. And of course, this uncharted island is procedurally generated because this game is a roguelike side-scroller you know, beat em up sort of action-adventure game. And what you're going to do is you're going to go through collecting different weapons, figuring out how to kill your enemies, collecting salt for upgrades and different things, all the while trying not to die. The drawings and artwork in this are beautiful. It's all hand-drawn, real dark, just all has a lot of flavor and a lot of flair. And, And the really cool part that I like about this one is... It has all that darkness, but your own character you get to create. And when you create them, you can give them like some goofy head pieces, you know, make them look sort of like a clown, pumpkin heads, you know, whatever floats your boat. But it gives it a like just a bit of lightheartedness in an otherwise very, very dark and menacing type sort of world. The whole premise here is that you want to go through and you want to figure out what's going on and get off this island, obviously, without dying. The corpses and otherwise other baddies are we're going to try to kill you. And when I say this is sort of like Dark Souls, what I mean is that all the enemy types have a way that they attack you, a certain way they go about doing things. And if they hit you, it's brutally punishing. So you have to learn their moves, how to counter them, how to parry, how to attack, etc., etc. Otherwise, you're going to die over and over and over again. And if you die, you lose your salt. And if you do not return to the area and get your salt in time, kill the enemy who took your salt, I should say, then you lose it forever. The bright side of this is the game gives you enough opportunity to where you can just grind and grind and grind. So if you're not really good at it, you can still grind and get enough salt to get your upgrades and become more powerful and eventually beat the game. There are side paths and ways for you to go ahead and explore and find different treasures, but you can also just find the main paths and keep following it to the very end. This game, very cool looking, very great aesthetics. The music's good. Everything looks phenomenal. I would definitely recommend you check out Salt and Sanctuary on the Nintendo Switch. Number three. Now, next up for me is No Man's Sky Next. Now, what is No Man's Sky Next? It's the next update for No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah, I had to do it. Somebody had to do it. But No Man's Sky Next is the newest i see i didn't say next it's the newest big update for no man's sky now everybody remembers when no man's sky launched everyone went well where's the base building where's the combat where's the seeing other players where's the this where's the that i was promised all these things in pre-release hype and instead of like looking at what they actually showed and thinking of what it really was showing that they actually showed i chose to believe i chose to believe in the words that they said when they said i don't know maybe that you could find a dinosaur maybe you see a planet with a ring i don't know so when it came out, everyone went, that sucks, we hate it. But in a good news story, Hello Games, who's the developer and publisher of No Man's Sky, has been working tirelessly behind the scenes, updating it post-launch. They've added base building, they've added all kinds of stuff. They've had all, I mean, it's already, the game is not what it was when it first launched. They've added so much to it. And No Man's Sky Next is the next evolution of that. 
because one of the big things this is bringing is bum, 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 actual multiplayer. You can actually meet up with random people, like their actual avatars, their characters. You can meet them in the game, team up with them, fight against them, steal all their stuff, do all the things. You know, invite your buddies, play with your buddies. You can totally do that in No Man's Sky now. And I know, I know, I hear people saying. I don't want to do multiplayer because I'm one of those guys too. So there's there's two different levels of multiplayer and then you can still go single player. So I'll, I'll break it down right now. That first level is what I talked about. You know, you're with people, you see people, they can interact with your base, you can build bases together, you can do all this other kind of stuff. Second level is you can still interact with people but not have them interact with you really uh, basically what they're saying is other players i think this is the case this was the case right before the next update but other players will show up as like glowing orbs on the planet with you and so you can go up and you can voice chat with them but you can't like do stuff together like they, you, you can't help build a base you can't both get into a ship and fly around nothing like that which you can do in the in that first level of multiplayer you can drop if you don't want to be Flying around with people, if you don't want to get shot by people, drop it down to that second layer and there'll be glowing floating orbs. You can talk to them, you can interact with them, you can probably meet up and, you know, go up to that first level of multiplayer. But you don't have to do that. So, real people, floating orbs, and then if you're like me, if you're a No Man's Sky purist, if what attracted you to No Man's Sky was just, I'm in the universe by myself, I'm exploring, I'm doing whatever I want to do, you can still drop it down so you don't see anybody. Now, the part that I'm not 100% sure on with that is how that affects base building because they've expanded the base building aspect of the game to ridiculous degrees. Now you can build bases literally anywhere on the planet, any kind of slope, any kind of terrain, underwater. I mean, you can build anywhere you want. You can build these giant sprawling bases. And so that's, that's what makes me wonder about the whole multiplayer aspect because everybody can build bases but if you're in that single player mode can you build everywhere or are you going to see other people's bases down on the ground because if you're all on you know ordo number seven that planet you know according to the servers who gets terrain rights whether it's single player or multiplayer i don't know That'd be a question for them. Hey, I'll have to check that out because I will check it out because No Man's Sky Next is downloading as we speak right now. This is how excited I am for it. But dialing it back down to the base building. Yes, they've expanded your ability to build. You can build anywhere. You can build bases of bigger sizes. You, they've added new materials you can build with. They've added new modules you can add to your bases to make them look or act or perform differently. You can build like teleporters. I don't, I don't know if this was something they had before next. I think they said they cleaned up the teleporter interface, so maybe it was. But I saw a screenshot of, hey, here I am at the teleporter of the base on this planet, and you can teleport to your other bases around the solar system, around the galaxy. Teleport to your ship, teleport to your this, that, the other thing. So that's another cool thing. It's just if, if you want to start a base on a planet, don't think you have to just stay there forever and that be your whole game. You can branch out, start another base, go back to your first base. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, teleportation system. Pretty cool. Also, inside those bases or on your capital ships, more on those later, you can build a customization station. Now, why would you want, what do you want to customize? You can customize yourself. You can customize your avatar now. Instead of just being, you're like a hand holding the tool or the gun that you're using, you actually get to not create a character, but create a look for your character. So you build that customization station. You can be one of like five different races now. You can customize your colors, your outfits, the way you look, like your head pieces, your arm pieces, all this other stuff. And now why is that important? 
Well, it's because not only will other people see you if you're playing multiplayer, but now you can play the entire game in third person. So you can see your little guy running around, mining on the rocks, building the thing. You can jump in your ship and fly your ship in third person as well, so you can just look all around instead of just being stuck in the cockpit mode. So, man, you actually get to be a character. And since you can meet up with other people and you can talk with them, voice chat with them, you could actually play a character now. You could, you know, not necessarily like super role player or something, but you get to project an image and be what you want to be in No Man's Sky now. Instead of being a blank, faceless, nothing avatar, you get to see who you are. You get to build who you are. You get to be who you are. Totally cool stuff. I'm super excited for it, obviously, because I keep saying I'm super excited and can't you hear it in my voice? God bless. So now I promised a little bit more on this, but you can also build a capital ship. Like you can build your own like giant freighter that I think I, I think it follows you around. It's not just your, you know, your surface to to spaceship, but it sounds like you build this giant capital ship and you can also start building fleets of like frigates, like s- s- smaller sub ships that are good at combat or resource harvesting or support or this or that or the other thing. And now you can take your entire fleet and do fleet based quests or fleet missions. I've only seen one screenshot of this so far, but it looks ridiculous. Like so many ships, it looks like an RTS almost. You're taking your big armada and you're going to try and do the thing absolutely ridiculous you would have never thought that would have happened in no man's sky originally when it first launched because you built one ship and then you like i found an personally from my experience i had the one ship i started with i found another one there was no way to keep them both because one just sat on the planet while you flew away now you get to build all kinds of ships you get to maintain all kinds of ships you get to have a whole fleet and do fleet-based things ridiculous i'm getting excited again i better i gotta calm down i gotta calm down i'm gonna talk about crafting next see that that's a little less exciting they've reworked the whole material system raw materials the way you craft things what things take what materials to be able to craft another cool thing you can do now is you can build your own like ore refiners or uh, material refiners so if you need schnabitz fernium but all you have is carbon and water but you know carbon and water together make schnabitz fernium you can build your own ore refiner put in the raw materials get the new stuff out now you couldn't do that in the original Old Man's Sky. You had to go find the rare materials and all that stuff. You couldn't make them yourself. Now you can totally make them, which means crafting opens up exponentially because if you know the recipe for what you need, you can make the materials that you need to make the thing that you want. Super cool. I mean, just, I get so excited because the way they've been building this out, it's just, it's another one of those such a good stories. It's, it's another one of those stories that's just so good that you have to talk about it, you have to get excited about it. Like the way Ubisoft was with Rainbow Six Siege and The Division. Launched, people said, I got these problems with it. They go, okay, build, 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 problem solved. I have another problem over here. Okay, build, 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 problem solved. Just good stuff from Hello Games here. Let's see, what else do I have written down? Oh yeah, the graphics are getting super overhauled. Planets have new biomes, landmass types, dynamic clouds. The textures are better. The textures on your ship, yourself, your base, the planet. In the big announcement article, they showed side-by-sides from before and after. And it's just, I mean, it's not totally night and day, but it's like, hey, this looks kind of flat and not that great, to, wow, this is stuff with actual texture. The grass looks like grass instead of just a grass texture or a few polygons lifting up out of the ground and flopping around. 
Planets have planets can have rings now. They can have asteroid belts, all kinds of cool stuff. Like the transition between being on planet and going into space is actually smooth. You can like fly through the clouds and up out into space as opposed to before we had to just like fly up and you'd like see clouds and then it would kind of like hit a breaking point and you just be in space because there was like a harsh transition between in space and in atmosphere and now it seems like a lot smoother same thing with you know going into warp speed they said that uh, the space stations now have more for you to do they've got faction vendors that can earn you rep you can get quests out there you can do things more space combat team up with your buddies run big space missions have two people in your ship and go flying around and complete missions i'm going i'm going nuts i'm going nuts there's so much to talk about i just gotta it's gotta stop i just gotta stop no Man's Sky next. It's it seems to be bringing almost everything that people wanted originally. If it wasn't already here, they've added it. And if it was here in a previous update, they fleshed it out even more. Like animals have better better AI. They move in packs. They do all this. It's so cool. Go check out the release patch for No Man's Sky next. If you have No Man's Sky, definitely download No Man's Sky next. See all the changes for yourself. I can't wait. The download is finished. It's sitting over there right now. It says it's ready to play. So uh, I, I, I'm i going to go play it. Bye. Number two. Now the main game tonight that I was looking forward to talking about is Dead Cells. This game, holy freaking moly. I have been sitting around, you know, I just played a while back Metroid 2, the remake, on the 3DS. And that was a great game and all, but they were using the newer 2.5D kind of graphics, which they were great, don't get me wrong, but nothing beats, in my opinion, the old school 2D art. This game, Dead Cells, for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and, of course, PC, developed by Motion Twins, gives you all of that. You start off, you're an unnamed inmate, and your head's missing, and it's, and it's places like the Smoky Fire, and you meet these different characters, save guys, like, oh, I know all your secrets, and that's what I'm trained to do. Da-da-da. You're going to meet individuals who are going to sell you new goods. You're going to meet individuals who are going to sell you power-ups, and, of course, other characters that are going to help you along the way. If you've ever played Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, but any others, Symphony of the Night especially, though, or Super Metroid or any of the others after Super Metroid, this game is that, reincarnated, but with a roguelike twist. So you gather all these items, do all the same things you would do in any other Castlevania, Metroid-type game. Mind you, the graphics are phenomenal, the music's really good, the enemy types are very nice, very cool, but I would say a little bit stunted. I feel like there could be more variation to it. However, with it being a roguelike and the areas changing every time you die, and the fact that the area, the baddies change where they are, where items are, etc., I think because of that, the lack of difference in all the different baddies is made up for. So I'll give it a pass on this one. Any of the who's. What's really neat is, of course, if you die, you lose all your stuff, just like any other roguelike, but... The abilities and things you've bought with your cells are permanent. So you'll be able to always come back, get those, and keep going. And you'll collect them in this huge room where these uh, jars are all floating down from the sky, or from the ceiling, I should say, not sky. 
and then you could pick from those, choose, and they show you what you've gotten and what you have, etc. And then you can keep powering yourself up and getting through the different levels and the different bosses to get to the end. It's not expected that you're going to beat this game in one single playthrough. You're going to die. You're going to have to come back, get your power-ups, go back, get more power-ups that you find in these newly rearranged dungeons, and then die again and keep following suit until you've got enough to where you're going to finally make it to the end and beat the last boss and have a great time. This game looks like a ton of fun, and if you're sitting around going, man, I really wish I had some kind of Metroidvania game to play, this very well may just scratch the itch. I recommend everyone go at least check it out on a review, etc., something like that, and see if it's something that may interest you. Number one. Now for our number one topic this week, normally we try to do a nice big talk around topic so Eric and I can both get in, sink our teeth into a different topic, but we're recording our stuff separately this week because of upcoming travel considerations and time concerns and all that jazz. But what I thought I'd do is... You know, we we take a little walk down memory lane because I was browsing around for news. I think it was before the previous IG2G or maybe two IG2Gs ago. And I was on Kotaku and I was scrolling through their headlines and articles and all that stuff. And I went, hmm, 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 what's this? Hey, what's this? It says, what are your favorite video game endings? And I clicked on it and I went, oh, I want to see what this person has to say. And it was one of those usual trash articles where it's like, oh, man, endings are really cool and they really cap off your experience. So let us know in the comments what your favorite video game endings are. And I was like, oh, man. And that's totally unsatisfying. But then I thought, hmm, I'm going to put that in my back pocket because that's a that's an easy, that's an easy number one topic for IG2G. Favorite video game endings of all time. So we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to start off first with a recent one because you know me, I, if, if the topic was your favorite video game ending, I would still pick like 14. So I'm going to say, what are your favorite video game endings? Name a few. I'm going to start by naming a few. A most recent one, Persona 5, I won't go into spoilers or anything, but it just... One of the things I liked most about that game was just spending time with all the other characters. They really felt like friends by the end of the game because I put so much time in with them, not only on the adventure, but on the idle time. You know, we got a free day. What are we going to do? Oh, Ryuji wants to go to the park. Let's go hang out at the park. You really feel like you become friends with these characters, and the ending solidifies that even more. It's kind of one of those, hey, we did the thing... We might have to split up for now, but we're always going to be friends forever. And, you know, it sounds cliche, and it it probably sort of is, but it really drove home that just, like, warmth and friendship and fun. Again, I don't want to go into spoilers or anything. There's a whole lot to spoil, but it really just left you with that warm, fuzzy feeling of, these are my friends, we're going to be friends forever. We might see each other again down the road, but even if we don't, we'll still have this. We'll still have what we went through together. So that's, that's a recent one. Persona 5 just, oh man, just thinking about it, I want to go hang out with my friends again. Jeez. But I think for another favorite ending, I'm going to dial it down to the PS2 era and say Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater had an outstanding ending. I will say it's a it's a very sad and bittersweet ending, but it was really effective when I watched it. I was like, holy crap, it actually made me quite emotional at the time. And I was I was playing through that game with my mom, actually. And she looked over and she was like, wow. And I was like, man, that ending. It was, I mean, again, I can't spoil it, even though that, that's an older game, maybe I could spoil it, but the twist in the end is just really heart-wrenching, really emotional, and the twist in the ending there really 
sets Big Boss on the path where he needs to go, where you know he will become a villain eventually, you can see the grains of it in there. Even before they did Portable Ops and all the other games that took place after this to show Big Boss going on and becoming more of a villain, I thought this just planted those seeds perfectly because you can totally understand why he hates the people he hates, why he doesn't like the systems that he doesn't like, all because of this ending and the whole ride you took all the way through the game. That ending just, mm, just a punch in the gut. I'm saluting you at the grave. I won't spoil who you are, but I'm saluting you too. Boom. Now taking it back another era, we're going to go to Suikoden 1 and 2. Fantastic endings because not just like the actual game endings, but over the credits while the music rolls, it tells you what happens to all your characters. Like all 108 stars of Destiny, and it's not a big thing. It's, you know, maybe they get like two sentences, but I've always loved that like in movies where it plays like a five second clip and does a freeze frame and says, Brandy graduated high school and went on to be a mother of three kids, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, even after the credits roll after you've had your adventure, you get a sense of what they went on to do. I mean, and some of it's silly, some of it's serious, some of it's just off the wall goofy. Some of these characters you don't even care about, but getting to see what happens after you've accomplished the mission. And like I said, it's it's some of, sometimes it's two sentences, sometimes it's one sentence. But seeing that person who was so driven, and then he joined your army, and then you get to find out how that experience either changed him, or he went back to his path, or she she took time off and she became a mother with this other character who you didn't know they were really together, but they were together. Stuff like that I always love. So Sweet Coden 1 and 2, they both did that, at least as far as I remember. I definitely know Sweet Coden 2 did. 100% sure, 90% sure that one did as well. So those two go together just because it it kind of puts that Persona 5 spin on it too. Like you know what's hap- you know what's going to happen afterwards and so you feel still connected with them. And even though some characters are like, "Oh man, why would he do that? Why did he disappear into the night and become a whatever?" It's st- it still continues that story and you feel like you're still with them because you know what they did. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Ha. <laughs> But then I'm going to say probably my favorite video game ending of all time, of all time, 100%. I mean, it's one of the biggest endings that I saw early on in my gaming life. It's Final Fantasy 3 or Final Fantasy 6 if you're a purist. The ending to Final Fantasy 3 is just, it goes through every single character. You get to see them all escape from Kefka's Tower. You get to see them interact with each other as they're doing it, like you know, Saban and Edgar have like the brotherly thing where Saban saves Edgar from this giant falling piece of debris. And he's like, Oh brother. Wow. I was like, well, what would these muscles be if I couldn't save my brother? If I couldn't help you just really touching or emotional moments or fun moments, you get to spend a little bit more time with those characters. And then as the world is turning back to a world of balance, you get to see the airship just flying through, flying over these formerly ruined settlements where people are putting their lives back together. Just the NPCs, people, you know, here's a town that I knew in the world of balance. It got destroyed in the world of ruin. Now it's coming back into balance and you get to see those NPCs putting that town back together. These are places that you've lived, not really lived, but you know what I mean? You've lived in these places. You've seen them change. You've seen them torn apart. Now you get to see them getting pieced back together as the as the airship's flying overhead, as the characters are waving, you know, out the sides of the airship, as that awesome music is playing in the background, just soaring off, just 
the music it just builds and builds and builds and builds up to the point where the airship is just flying off into the air and the music crescendos and it goes bum, 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 the end and then you get the the final fantasy prelude as the kind of a star field flows behind the the end it's just it's so epic and that they pulled it off on a super nintendo back in the day such an epic ending absolutely got to be my favorite video game ending at least right now of all time outstanding i i watched it again getting ready for this topic and it just it got my heart pumping it got my it gave me goosebumps all over again just like it did when i was a kid so that's it for me some absolute favorite video game endings what about you eric what do you have to say hmm man as for favorite video game endings I have two that always come to mind when the when this is asked or talked about in any scenario. And I'm going to give my favorite actual ending to a video game first. And that's going to be Silent Hill 2's water ending. I mean, when I played this game, first off, this game was crazy, insane, off the charts, awesome scares, fun times, story had me riveted, trying to pay attention to what the heck was going on the whole way through. Then when you finally get to that point and you realize, spoiler alert, <laughs> that Maria, Maria or Maria, whatever, is dead, she's been in your trunk, and you're like, oh my god, you killed her, da 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 and you can't take it, and you don't know what to do, so you put her in the car with you, and you go driving off the bridge into the lake and kill yourself. I had never before <laughs> played a game where, at the end, you just realize you're an insane person, and you went and you went and killed yourself. That blew my mind. I was just sitting there and like, I was like, what the, what the heck just happened? Oh my god! And it like took me some time. I was just sitting there thinking about it, and then kind of thinking to the past enemies like Pyramid Head and all these others, and like the Psych Ward and everything else going on, and like you're just piecing it all together. Like you know, this dude was a Looney Tune. You know, it was awesome. Just really cool. Made you really sit back and think about it. In this game, I never even got any of the other endings just because this ending was so perfect for me i didn't really feel the need to go and change it or alter it or or see one that maybe uh, contradicted or whatever for this ending always in my mind the perfect ending so that's my perfect best favoritist all whatever words you want to say ending of all time now my second one is also one of my favorite endings for a different reason and that's going to be mass effect 3 this ending with the different colorations and you picking it being the, well, basically the same thing in different colors. First off, I didn't even care. I, at this point, I had just experienced three phenomenal games. I had great times, characters that I loved, I hated, etc., etc. And the ending for me was just whatever. I, didn't, I never was invested that much in the ending. And I never really am, to be honest, with most endings in games. That's not why I play them. You know, it's that cliche, I play for the journey, not the ending, da 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 But it's, it's honestly pretty much true. There are very few endings in video games that do get me all up in a, a tizzy. Any of those, I was fine with it. I walked away going, man, Mass Effect was great. And then I opened the internet up, and I talked to some friends, and I come to find out that people had lost their damn minds. I had a buddy... Brent, who played this game at the same time I did, beat at the same time, and he called me the same day, maybe it was the next day, but it was real close, and he just was ranting and raving about the end. He was just bonkers. It bugged him to no end, and he wasn't the only one. I mean, there was petitions going around. They People were putting up such a stink that they changed the ending. They went all crazy. They apologized left and right. 
And I, to this day, still think that was just ridiculous. They can have any ending they want. It was their game, their title. Boo-hoo, if you didn't like it, oh dang well. But doesn't matter. It's all in the past. The reason I love this is just because of the huge stink that everyone put up about it. And then the friends I had that played it, and they were all bitter and angry about it. It was a, a pleasure for me to kind of troll them and just say, what? Uh, it was a great ending, man. What? You did this. You picked red, and you went over here and did this. You picked green, blah, 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 blah. And then just watch them just rage face. I start to bleed and go insane. So, yes, that is my second favorite ending, but only because of other people's reactions to it and just having the fun of getting them all bent out of shape and yelling and hollering about stuff. Outstanding video game endings all around. Some very good memories, some very good times. And with that, it's just time to wrap it up. Imposters Wrap Up. So, of course, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift Network. So if you guys got any questions for us, any comments, any concerns, if you just want to say hi, if you want to throw us some topics you want us to talk about, you can do that via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Heck yeah, I get to say it this time. We also have a Patreon, so if you want to head over there, drop us $5, $10, $100,000, $1,000,000. dollars If you just want us to throw us a buck, Eric always says we treat it like a tip jar, and we do, but we still kind of don't because now we got all kinds of cool rewards for you guys. So check out the Patreon. Check out what reward level you want to be at. Get some rewards for your hard-earned loot. As Eric does always say, it is 100% true. It does always go back into the show. Anything you guys contribute, it helps us make the show better, keep us moving, keep us grooving. Hey, there. I See, I know his catchphrases. You can't fool me. So there you go. Check out the Patreon. And hey, if you can't donate, because money's money. See, I got another one in there. Ha-ha. You can help us out with likes. Uh, Facebook messages, Twitter DMs, you can subscribe, you can stars, you can do all the things, and then, you know, that that makes us, it, you help us help you by helping us help you, I don't know, that, that's how we do it, that's how we do it. But of course, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday, so we'll be back in your ear holes on the 21st of August for our very next episode. You can find those episodes on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Podbean. As Eric always says, but I've said this time, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services, because it does help us out, and we really do appreciate it. And I get to say it this time, hey... You know, what we really appreciate is the five stars on iTunes. Five stars on iTunes. If you give us a five star, we'll eat it up. We're gonna eat that five star, so yeah. Gonna boil it up in a cup. It's too late to try and make the rhyme. That's fine. Oodaloo doo 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 doo. But keep a lookout for more cool five star stories from us. I got a lot of ideas. Danny's got a lot of ideas. Eric's got a lot of ideas. It's going to be cool. It's going to be good. And with that, there's nothing else to say, but don't forget to save. Don't forget to save.